Great forehand. All right. So I want to start by introducing the panelists. Grant Lopez, a really close friend and agent of mine. Not that close. Okay. Well, <laughs> sheesh. No. He's with Keller Williams. Grant does a ton of business, specifically builder business as well. So builder questions, he's a great resource for that. Um, Cody, thank you for coming. She's with Compass. I've actually met Cody and got closer recently. We've done a few interactions, and Cody has a phenomenal business and has really built a name for herself. So I appreciate you taking the time to come up here and speak with us. And then my dear Cindy, who is a close family friend of ours, she's also at Keller Williams. Cindy is a powerhouse and has done a ton of business, very professional, and I'm so happy to have all you guys in the same room. This is awesome. Thank you. So we'll get started. Um, and again, if you have any questions the entire time, don't hesitate to stop and ask, okay? So, I want to start by going back last year, and I'll go through each of you guys, but what are your highlights from 2021? We'll start with Cindy. Um, you know, one of the things that I did that really changed my business last year, and it seems like a small, a small thing, but I went and got an office in my office. Um, it made me more accountable. Um, it gave me an opportunity to get away from the kids and the husband and the dogs and um, a very inviting pool in my backyard that I sometimes, uh, you know, cracking uh, mimosas at 11 a.m. didn't prove to be very productive. Um, but once I kind of got that office um, and started going into the office and networking with other agents and just having that dialogue um, really kind of helped grow my business a lot last year. Nice. Cody? 2021 was kind of a different year for me. We uh, transitioned from Corey Properties Group, to, or from Corey Properties to Corey Properties Group with Compass. So we were getting to know a lot of the Compass tools and kind of finding our way within, within that regard. And also my husband and I did a personal remodel. So we were surviving that all at the same time. But that does tie in, I think, a lot to our business, getting to know homes, how they work, um, what's behind those walls. And so it, it kind of took me away from my production. Last year was a good year, but uh, 2020 was a little better. But um, remodeling, surviving the remodel. So I took a lot away from that. And if you guys have any remodeling questions, I'd love to talk to you about it. But I think that knowing our product and what's behind those walls is also extremely valuable. Nice. Grant? Um, having, uh, sorry, I wasn't paid to say this, but having a good TC <laughs> in my corner um, was a, a big help. Uh, we had actually started, I think, towards the end of 2020. So 2021 was our first full year. But that took off so much of my plate to be out there focusing and providing better customer service and taking on more transactions, not worrying that I'm stretching myself too thin. So um, having a good TC and just having good service partners in general, I think was a big change for me in 2021. I've have experience of being a solo agent, but also um, eight years of being on a team. And so I see both ends of good service partners, bad service partners, bad employees. Um, and when you've got it, really good with the people you're working with that are in your corner. It makes life and business so much easier and it makes it more fun also. Mm -hmm. Amen. And I hate, I hate bringing up 2020 again because I feel like we should get past the whole COVID thing. But I, if there was one key thing during 2020 when COVID first hit, a lesson learned, what would, what would it be? And if anybody's welcome to start. For us, it was family time. Nice. Uh, I think prior to 2020, we were just full on, you know, 100 miles an hour and not stopping to, you know, because we just were in that rat race and you just think that's the routine. We work, we go to the events, we network and rinse and repeat, right? Uh, so 2020 was a good chance to just force stop 
and kind of reevaluate things and we had more time with our kids than we've ever had and we still had great business and we learned oh there is a way to balance it and not overextend and my kids hopefully won't be in therapy in you know 20 years <laughs> saying my mom and dad never spent time with us so now right. we, we, it was a really good reset for us to show us you can have both that's what we learned yeah i i to piggyback off of that um remembering that you are also human you know like yeah. we have families we have emergencies at home we have sick kids, whatever it may be, and if you can relate that with your clients and say, I can't be there, I've gotta to go to the doctor with my son, you know? Remembering that is so important because you kind of lose yourself in this business pretty easily. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything that they said, yeah. yes. <laughs> Reprioritization, yes. Gotcha. So, so there was a lot of lessons learned in 2021, and what are your goals for 2022? What's the biggest goal you have this year that you haven't done ever before? I think I'd finally like to expand my team. Um, I've been a solo agent. I've been an agent now for um, almost 11 years. Wow. And I think that you know there's value in that expansion and um, having an extension of myself. Um, so that's kind of a big goal of mine in 2022. Nice. Cody? 2022, I think mine is um, balance and priorities of the area I work. Um, you know, there's leads that come in and you think you've got to work all of them for everybody all the yeah. time and we can't be everything for everybody. Um, so even, for example, I've been reaching out to David about neighborhoods that I'm not familiar with and leaning on people and teams that can help and being okay giving away a lead that maybe isn't the best for me. Um, so just balance and priorities for 2022. Nice. And you do, you do so she does a lot, a ton of Alma Heights business, Terrell Hills. I, I live there, I work there. And yeah. so when I get leads outside of that network, you know, I don't know it as well. And yeah. so I, maybe I'm not the best representation for that client. And being okay letting that go yeah. is my, my personal goal. <laughs> <laughs> my personal goal for 2022 yeah. is just to know, to stick to my network that I know. Sure. Right, so I'm gonna circle back then a little bit and kind of hone in on how you got started in that little that area. Sure. But Grant, for you, biggest goals 2022? Uh, growth, but responsible growth. Um, we don't wanna grow for growth's sake. We wanna grow so that we're using our time better, we're freeing it up, um, but also staying very profitable. Like Cindy, I'm a solo agent and I love being a solo agent, nothing against teams. It's just, I've been there, done that. I've learned what works for me and my lifestyle and I like being solo. But as my business increases, I need more help. So um, we're actually in the process of bringing on a full-time assistant. Don't worry, that doesn't affect my TC work. <laughs> um, but to help with the back end of supporting the database and mailing and marketing and all of that um, so that we can grow and then maybe take on a showing agent or a buyer's agent at some point. So. Uh, I like to grow, but at a slower pace in a responsible way so that we're not getting to that point where, you know, you get back to losing yourself very easy in this business. And we've been there, done that, and not trying to do it again. Yes. I like the responsible growth. It's a good, it's a good goal. Um, obviously, a very tough market for buyers and, I mean, even sellers get all the pressure on it. But what is the daily dilemma you face with your clients, obviously, every day? Every day, what's the number one dilemma you're always facing? Right now it's inventory, yeah. you know, it's it's hard to find that, but knowing where, you know, I heard a saying a long time ago, it's not about what's on the market, but it's about what's coming to the market. And so networking events like this are super important to be able to, you know, reach out to other agents and say, hey, this is kind of what I'm looking for and, and maybe get um, a jump start on that. Yeah, and if anybody has anything coming soon, please let me know. Yes, same <laughs> Cody? I, I agree with Cindy on a more immediate level, it's inventory, but on a general level, I feel like something that I'm up against with my clients is just just teaching them how the process works. We assume they know that how it works just like all of us, but they don't. So I feel like from start to finish, it is a teaching process with every client and they all deserve the same 
lessons about how it's going to go. Setting expectations is mm -hmm. big. Yeah, she took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. I would say <laughs> setting proper expectations. Yeah. Um, I always tell my clients, I'm not in sales, I'm in education. My job is to educate my clients and on therapy. the process <laughs> and, yeah, and, and what to expect and, and how that's going to be laid out. So biggest dilemma I run into is fear of homelessness and fatigue. You know, everybody's afraid of, I don't want to sell my house because I don't know where I'm going to go. Well, you're not going to get an offer accepted if I don't yeah. get your home under contract. So walking them through that and then giving them the confidence that, look, it's going to be a rough road. I always relate it to flying. I go, look, you get turbulence. It's scary. You grab on. The thing. I go, but you always land at the end of the day. So we're going to hit some turbulence. It's going to get a little bumpy. Just buckle in. I'm going to land the plane and just trust the process. And so, but it's a constant reminder of, hang in there, you're not the only one going through this. So I'm always giving clients stories of other clients that are now closing. I'm going, hey, you know what, this closing that I told you I was at this morning, they had to bid on five or six homes also, but we landed one and they're very excited and it's a great house. So just constantly pumping them up and reminding them you're not alone. Yeah. Reminding them what's normal. Mm -hmm. Right. This is common. This is not just happening to you. Yeah. <laughs> Especially now because I have clients from 2017 and 16 where the market was completely different. And now they're wanting to buy, and I'm like, hey, back when we bought then, it's a little different now. Like, you can't really go in under asking anymore, depending on the house. But how are you combating, like, your, say you get a new client today, and they're like, well, we want to go buy a house, and your, your first immediate talk with them is like, hey, inventory's low. These are the terms we'll probably have to do. Like, how do you guys do that, with, especially with buyers that normally aren't willing to do that? Yeah, I mean, again, I think it's uh, to piggyback off of them, it's education, it's explaining what's going on in the market, what's relevant, what's happening right now. I, like Grant, use a lot of um, my current situations, the yeah. current events that are happening with my other clients. And it's just saying, listen, like, a lot of times it's, it's um, you know, uh, they want to try it. They say, well, it's okay. We'll just try it. Let's just put in an offer. Yeah. And you know, like, okay, well, never I'll do it. Ask. Right. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. That's our fa favorite thing to say. Uh, yeah. Never hurts to ask. Um, and then we go down that road and they see how difficult it is. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times it's just kind of that um, trial and error. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have there been times when you made the offer, like just knowing, like, this is not going to be Many, a good offer? A thousand yeah. And how do you. <laughs> I guess the offers you're making with the, and those list agents, they respond back with like, kind of what you, I think you've done this, or somebody says in the office here, they'll respond back with how many offers you've gotten, the terms and all that stuff. Is that stuff that you guys do as well? I I've started doing that. that. Yeah. Um, you know, I used to always at least send out the email and then I would text them to make sure they got the email of, hey, the offer wasn't accepted, but I've gotten better just as I'm experiencing on the buyer end, so on the listing end, saying, hey, here's how many offers we got, X amount were yeah. cash, X amount were conventional, X amount were over the asking price just to help. And, and honestly, I think the more agents do that, the better we see the offers getting, yeah. which also makes it more complicated on the listing side because when all the offers look exactly alike and they're all getting very good, it's almost like pulling a number out of a hat going, I hope this is the right agent. I hope this is the right lender. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's where it goes back to networking and attending these events and meeting other agents because the amount of deals either I've won or that I've helped a seller select based on hey, I know that agent, I know that lender, I know that title company, it's more important than mm -hmm. it's ever been. And mm -hmm. I've built my business off of doing that, that networking over a decade, and it helps. I mean, we just won a, um, an offer with Danny Charble um, last month where I had the buyer, and my buyer was conventional, and they had two cash offers, and he said, hey, look, the other ones are cash, but we've worked with you guys. I know the title company. I know you as the lender. I know who, or as the agent, I know the lender. And I know that's going to be a smooth deal. And we won that out specifically because we had that relationship and we had worked together in the past. So mm -hmm. it's just vital right now. Yeah. I, so not to toot my own horn, but I, uh, 
I had a listing recently and we got like 17 offers. And so, and I've been on the other side of it. It's very stressful. So I sent out an email, a very long email. Like it took me like an hour to write because I want to be perfect. And so I wrote out all the terms, how many offers we got, all this stuff. I put some suggestions from my experience with working with buyers. And then I even put like, I know your time is worth a lot more than this, but I, I gave them a Starbucks gift card or a barcode. And I said, hey, keep grinding. Here's a Starbucks gift card to keep working hard. So an agent called me and he's like, hey man, that was really, really cool. I appreciate you doing that. And I'm, I got him on the phone, I'm like, hey, by the way, do you have anything coming up in around a 300 price range for a buyer? I'm like, actually I do. And so like it kind of connected a little bit with the other side of the deal because you never know when you're gonna be on that, on that side with the same agent that has a listing. And so if you have listings, I recommend really just taking the time, sitting down, going through it, and just doing that for other people. It's a big thing. Um, yeah, taking care of people, because yeah. you're going to be running into the same names over yeah, and over yeah. and over and over and over again. Yeah. It doesn't true. matter how many member, realtor members yeah. we have, it's you still a very small community. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So I know we already plugged um, Sarah over here, but three tools that you guys cannot live without in your business. Cindy, go. Right here. Heart. You know, having that heart, a servant's heart, is, is what I use and has gotten me, you know, is... I've been very fortunate yeah. that it's given me the success that I have. Um, you know, really treating every client as if it was my brother, my sister, my kids purchasing a home. Um, it's very, very, those relationships are incredibly important to me. Um, and it probably shows uh, a little too much or, you know, that's why I can't sleep at night sometimes. <laughs> um, but certainly my TC, I mean, I could, when I made that jump to, to um, finally hiring a transaction coordinator, I sat with Sarah and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know. Um, you know, it's $300. I just I don't know. It's a lot of money. Um, and I mean, it, looking back, it was so silly that it gave me any angst at all because it was probably the smartest thing I ever did. And then, of course, social media. Social media is, is, has been huge for me. Nice. Yeah. And yeah. I can assess to your, to your heart because she's a very big heart, and I appreciate oh, that. Oh, so. thank you. I'd say mine is probably first uh, social media. You know, we've got to be relevant on the front of people's brains. I don't do a lot of newsletters and things. So when people see what I'm doing, it's usually through social media. Um, number two, I would say probably our Compass tools, which I'm not going to go too far into that, but we have a whole bunch of tools on our techno technology platform that help me find sellers and help me stay in touch with buyers and see when they're communicating, when they're best to communicate. Um, and then number three is find your person. Um, my person is Carol Carr at our office. We are not a team, but we just support each other when one of us is out. And having that person when you're out of town, inevitably, we were talking about this earlier, when you leave town, that's when everything starts. If you have your person that works like you and you can trust with your clients, that to me is just like any other tool you could you could have. It's great. Advice. And we don't pay each yeah. other, we just take care of each other. Right. I awesome. have an agent like that in my office and yeah, we help each other whenever we're out of town, that's yeah. great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, mine is database. Um, as our model changed last year, so a lot of my business is build a related business and as the builders went to appointment only and inventory dried up, it was a lot more realtors kind of in that space. And so um, if it wasn't for a strong database that we had all the info and we've been loving on them and continue to love on them, that's really what carried us through 2021. Um, so yeah, that my database is my biggest tool. I'm very old school. I don't, if you look me up on social media, you ain't gonna find much. Um, usually <laughs> it, our posts are my wife posting and tagging me in them um, and they're kid related, but uh, I'm not big on social media. I don't do a lot of tech savvy stuff. Uh, my files are still black and white printouts with a paper clip. That's how I go into all my appointments. I don't carry an iPad around. Um, I, and my database is an Excel spreadsheet, but it works wow. for me and I use it and it's filled in and 
you know, your tools are only as good as the user. And so it doesn't matter what tool you have, doesn't have to be super expensive, just use it and mm -hmm. consistently use it. Consistency is such a rarity in this business. And if you look at all the top producers, they're consistent in what they do, whether it's the tools they use or how their days are laid out. Um, and it, it's, it's easy. That's, That's great advice, I think. Yes. Yeah, I have a question about social media. So what are, are you doing personal pages? Are you doing business pages? What social media platforms are you on? I personally use um, Instagram the most. Um, it feeds to my Facebook, but typically I'm on I'm on uh, Instagram and doing just solds and pending posts, okay. sprinkled in with some family posts so they know that I'm still human. <laughs> um, but that's typically what I do. It's very generic. Cody, are you doing all that yourself, or do you have a social media person? I am doing it myself through Compass. We have uh, templates that are just at a flash; they're ready to go. Perfect. Facebook is honestly, and, and because I have um, so many friends that, you know, from high school, I'm born and raised in San Antonio, so I have just a ton of people that I know here locally. I've had more success on Facebook than honestly Instagram. Um, I will every once in a while let them know I'm a real estate agent, remind them, hey, I'm still here, this is what I do for a living. But a lot of times it's about my family um, and, you know, letting them know because I think that's what people connect to, right? Um, and so I think that that's, uh, that's been helpful for me. I'm gonna add to that, because you both said the same thing, letting them know you're human, letting them know their family. One of my best marketing tools is a newsletter, a physical paper newsletter I send out, and it's family-driven. At the very bottom, there's a little bit of real estate, we call them letters of heart, but it's, mm -hmm. hey, here's what we're up to, here's what the kids are up to, here's what they've done in school, or here's the vacation we've gone on, and we always include pictures. That's because you're all their moms. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> their mom's real pretty. Uh, that's where they get it from. But uh, that stupid little letter makes me so much money. I always get a huge return on it. And I've gone into clients' house, I've gone on listing appointments to clients that aren't on that list, but they have that letter because somebody else gave it to them. And so, um, you know, letting them know your family and you do stuff outside of selling houses, I think is huge. Absolutely. Sure, I'll charge it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send it to you, Kelly. Yeah. So I, that's a great point. Um, so how do you guys go about getting business from past clients? Like what's your, how does, what's your referral strategy? Again, just kind of loving on your database. Okay. That's really, you know, um, reminding people through Facebook, sending out happy birthdays when you know it's their birthday. Um, you know, I, one of the things that I did a couple of years ago, actually at the beginning of COVID, um, is I went and bought a bunch of champagne. Um, for and you or I mean, you? well, <laughs> it says half and half, okay. Um, but <laughs> um, and I went and personally delivered it to every one of my clients on their doorstep. And I just left a note um, and just said, you know, hey, when this thing is over, we're going to pop this bottle. Um, and so I think it's just kind of keeping that connection alive. And yeah. that's been super, you know, successful for me in the past. I don't pay for leads. I, um, you know, I don't do really very little marketing. Um, and it's just really my database that has been very, very good to me. Love it. I did something similar. We did poinsettias last year and set them nice. on everybody's porch for uh, for Christmas. And so then they had a decoration. And then when they walked by it, they remembered, oh, well, this came from my realtor. Right. Yeah. Um, but number two, I would say is I memorize our market. I work in such a small little area and there's so limited uh, inventory that if there's a new house that comes up, I try to go see it. Because every time you bump into someone at a coffee shop or you see them at you know, the grocery store, hey, have you been in that house? What's it like? And knowing your inventory and knowing your market, people are gonna say, man, she's, she's really on it. You yeah. know, and that's where the referrals start to come in because you become the expert. Love it. 
So I already hit on mine, which was the database, and that letter of heart is always huge for me. Um, but I also have a rule that if someone pops into my mind, I try to always text them. Mm -hmm. You know, I just like I always tell my clients, if you're feeling uncomfortable about a house, that's intuition. We have it for a reason. Follow it. And I do the same with my clients. If someone pops into my head, I always just try to text them and say, hey, you just popped in my mind. Just want to say hi. Hope you're doing well. The amount of times people have replied back with, that's really freaky. I was just thinking about you or I've been meaning to call you. It's yeah. huge. And it just, you know, it's nice to know, hey, somebody was thinking about me and just wanted to say hi. Um, and I think if you're genuine with them throughout the transaction, they know it's genuine when you text them afterwards and say, I was just thinking about you. How you doing? How are the kids? What's new with you guys? Um, and I try to utilize that little bit of wasted space that you get as a realtor so I do a lot of pickup drop-offs my wife just walked in hey um, so like when I'm picking up from school I'm in that school line for 30 minutes and I, I usually try to text clients past clients then you know and just use that time so finding those little bits of time to follow up with people if you're not doing it regularly those are good times to just plug them in throughout the day and people love that reaction they like to know that you think about them and you weren't just a transaction and you weren't done at the closing table so do you guys have a system built out of rights where you guys know like in August or November where we have this going on? Like what, what kind of process do you guys have as far as consistency throughout the year? Or is it just like, oh, Valentine's Day is next month? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's a little bit of both. You know, Keller Williams has some great tools in place to kind of help you with that. We have our system's called Command, and, and I'm not um, that great at using it. But I do a lot of what Grant does. You know, if I'm showing in a specific neighborhood, I'll drive by that that I've sold in. I might drive by that person's house and be, hey, just drove by your house. Looks great. Um, love what you've done to the front yard. Um, and it is just, it's been super helpful, super successful for me to just have those little touch points um, and keep that a connection in that relationship because at the end of the day that's what real estate is about it's about relationships um, you know it's what service is about um, and for me I've been I've been super fortunate to have that so I don't have a, a system in place necessarily um, it's all in here and here yeah <laughs> love it I don't have a system Same? yeah okay. I'm like next month let's do something yeah right. <laughs> I have a perfect system that I follow <laughs> No, um, like all realtors, it's like Cindy said it best, it's yes and no. You yeah. know, we, we get on that roll of we're good, and like all realtors, we get busy and we go squirrel, and then you kind of fall yeah. off the wagon yeah. a little bit, and you have to do it again. So um, it goes back to having good people in your corner. That's mm -hmm. part of why I'm bringing on an assistant this year is to help me stay consistently mm -hmm. on that path because those systems do work when you're using them, and it goes back to what I said about consistency. The yeah. better you are at consistency, the more stable that that businesses and you get off that real estate roller coaster of oh a lot of closings no closings a lot of closings no closings and you know the path to success is just constantly staying on there yeah. and having that snowball continue to roll yeah consistency i think is huge and i think that i mean all three of you guys are probably at a place in your business where most of your business is referrals mm -hmm. and is past clients and so really hone in on your clients that you have now and take care of them remind them that hey i'm still here do things like that for them that way they actually keep up with you um I guess what what tips would you give a brand new agent coming into the market? Pay your taxes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking. Pay your taxes. Um, no, I think you look at a lot of successful agents. They all run into that problem, me <clears throat> included. You start making a lot of money. You think, oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pay the IRS, and life happens, and you get used to all kinds of stuff, and then all of a sudden you look up and go, oh shit. <laughs> um, and so then you have to climb your way out of that, and so you got to put down the shovel first, and that's mm -hmm. the problem. That's half the battles mm. because what happens in that? I always talk about a snowball effect, and you can relate it to anything. But when you get behind with the IRS, then you stop stop 
even pulling it out because you're just trying to keep on with mm -hmm. your lifestyle and what you've already committed to. And so you've got to learn to put down that shovel and pay the IRS first or come up with some sort of neat tax strategy to avoid stuff like that. Hide that's your a, money that's, from yourself. Yeah, that's yeah. the next level. But, um, you know, really when those commission checks come in, pull it out, put it in a separate tax account, pay it monthly, pay it quarterly, however you want to do it, but get it done. Because once you get down that hole, it's very hard to climb out. And we are very thankful that we're hustlers, we work hard, we got it right, and life is much easier, but it's very, very easy to fall into that trap. Mm -hmm. So I always preach to new agents, save money, pay your taxes life is much easier that way. Great advice. I would say uh, answer your phone, put your put your voice on your voicemail, um, be be present, be a person. I mean, there's a transaction I'm doing right now. The agent won't call me back. Mm. It's all email, it's all text. But if you just pick up, I mean, text is great. It, we all function great with text, but pick up the phone, get to know that agent. We all have the same common goal, which is closing. Yeah. And if you can work closely with that other agent and build that relationship, picking up the phone and being um, available with your voice, I think it's huge. Mm -hmm. I'd say memorize the contract. Mm -hmm. um, yes. Like that's a big one. That took me a long yeah. time, probably way too long to really memorize that contract and understand all of what it, everything that it entails. Mm -hmm. You know, you go through school and you're just, real estate school and you're just stressing to get to that exam. And then you're like, oh, I'm a realtor now, I can make it happen. And you know, a lot of people can do that. Um, yeah. I needed to really, and I think that's a, it's a, a big thing. I have some friends that have recently become agents and that's the advice that I give them. Just learn the contract. Can I add to that? Yeah. And especially if you're newer, not that I don't love TCs because they're amazing, but don't take one on too early. Mm -hmm. Learn the process, mm -hmm. learn the transactions. I've run into a lot of agents that, you know, I can see their license numbers. So I know when they got mm -hmm. licensed or I can see their MLS history and suddenly they're going, oh, just send that to my TC. And I'm going, do you know what you're doing yet? Like right, you, yeah. you really got to learn it. Um, you know, to have that long-term success. And I'll also add, going back to what Corey said about bad news does not age well with time. If you've got a problem, alert people about it right away. It's easier to know about it and try to problem solve together to come to a solution mm -hmm. versus ghosting or saying, oh, I don't want to tell them, I don't want to yeah. tell them, I don't want to tell yeah. them. Pick up the phone and tell me about the bad news because we can probably figure it out, but I need to know sooner rather than later. Together. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and and surround yourself with people who are better than you is another mm -hmm. one mm -hmm. because if there's a situation, say we were doing a transaction together and I didn't have a solution, maybe Grant does. And trust trust people around you. Yeah, yeah that's good advice. And, and I think, to add to that, not that I'm part of this panel or anything, but to add to that, <laughs> I always tell our new agents, like, if there's a fire in your deal going on, don't automatically go to your client and tell them, hey, uh, we have this going on, like, because yeah. you're gonna scare them. And there goes your reputation as being a stress-free process. Instead, work with the other agent, call them up and say, hey, maybe a little issue, let's work it out together. And that's a big, big lesson I had to teach myself starting out. And then going to transaction coordinating was a big step I had to you know, set my business. I told Alana, I was like, I like the idea of having control of everything, but you need to leverage at some point to do other things. Right. And so that was a big learning curve for me as, as an agent. Um, hey, David, can I add one more thing? I'm sorry to actually, keep adding no, it. We got to cut it off. On, <laughs> uh, for new agents, be on time. Respect people's time. Oh, the yes. amount of competitive situations I go into and I ring the doorbell and they go, oh, wow, you're five minutes earlier. You're on time. And they go, the other three agents I met with were really late. Mm. It matters to people. And I have that happen all the time. I'm shocked at how late realtors yeah. are always running. <laughs> yeah. I do have one more thing, too. Yeah, yeah. While oh, we're, good, while we're adding one. on, <laughs> one thing that Corey taught us was, uh, don't like, like you were saying, don't always react. Give mm -hmm. it a few hours to send a mm -hmm. lot of times it's going to work itself out. Yeah. If we get all fired up and wrapped up into it, sometimes it makes it worse. Um, so let it simmer and usually the problem will work itself out. Yeah, and you can stress yourself out too. So yeah. like yeah. things usually, like you said, work themselves out. And if not, 
people like Sarah really make it a lot easier because they can be the bad guy and email the client. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. I'm gonna get back off of what Cody said too. I have worked with new realtors all, I mean, for like the last seven or eight years. And I think that another good piece of advice is don't be afraid to ask questions. Yeah. And I mean, whether you've been in the business two months or 20 years, there's always, a, each deal is gonna present itself like with a new set of challenges or questions or opportunities. And so don't be afraid to say, you know what, let me get back to you on that. Let me call my title company. Let me call my closer who knows the contract and who knows the title and the escrow side. Let me ask my lender. Let me ask home warranty. Let me get back to you on that. It's okay that you don't know everything, but it's, um, you don't ever want to give the wrong answer. And so if you just utilize your, your resources and your network and your database of people around you, you can say, you know what, let me get back to you on that. Let it simmer. And then in the meantime, you know, follow up with somebody in your, in your um, you know, bank of resources and say, hey, I have a question about this. I'm filling out the contract. What does this mean? And so I think that that's usually a really good piece of advice that, you know, kind of piggybacking off of what everybody said is just utilize your resources around you. And there's no such thing as a dumb question because every deal is going to present its new set of questions and, and something that's different so yeah rely and on a, the experts and always mm -hmm. be learning I mean yeah. I've 13 years I still go to conferences consistently I go to events like this even you know if I'm in the audience because it's just an opportunity to learn and you can never stop learning there's always something new you always yeah. run into new scenarios mm -hmm. and so um, just don't ever feel like oh I know what I'm doing because mm -hmm. just when you think that it's just something's gonna happen so yeah. always be learning is there any advice you can give to new agents who are presenting an offer to you so if you're the listing agent anything that they should be doing that yeah, what gonna be, doing like it's an automatic maybe a no yeah. don't fill it do out properly yes yeah. and completely yeah. completely yes completely the amount of offers we get you guys can speak to this that there's blanks or there's missing gaps or they put the cash portion on the sales line and the sales line on the cash portion or they didn't fill out third party correctly. I mean, it's scary it's how many. Your, it's your first impression with the listing agent. If they see a good contract, they're, we're gonna know. Like this person did a great job. This is thorough. They've really presented their best foot forward. Mm -hmm. You can kind of feel it through the paperwork. Oh yeah, absolutely. Can I add something to that just really quick? That actually happens even with the best experienced agents, and I love my clients dearly, dearly. I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus, but the amount of times I've seen Man, my sweet it. clients <laughs> who are moving too fast. So that would be yeah. my thing: is slow down. Like I understand it's a competitive market, but this agent's been in there for 15 years, and you're just like you're sleepwalking because you got so much going on, and you put the cash and the financing, you mix them up. So it still happens even with experienced agents. So I would just say, please slow down, just slow down, because otherwise we're going to have to do an amendment later for the most annoying. Mm -hmm. right. That's just annoying. Like, why did you not check yes for the HOA? Ugh. And it's already executed. So just please slow down. Just what I want. You know, Carolyn, yeah. I think yeah. what else helps is calling that agent and say, hey, what's important like, to you? And the, I mean, of course, we all know, hey, what's important to your seller? But what do you as the listing agent look for in a winning offer? Mm -hmm. I love when an agent asks me that because I tell them, we look for skin in the game. I like high option fees, mm -hmm. low yeah. option periods minimal contingency timelines. I get if you're financing, you're still gonna have third party, but if you could do that in 10 days or seven days or four, you know, that, but the amount of offers I still get in multiple offer situations, I had one the other day, it was 28 offers, and the bulk of them still had 10 day option periods for $70 or $100. I'm going, no, I'm going for the person that has $1,000 for two days mm -hmm. or three days, because right. they've got real skin in the game. That tells me they've already done their homework, they're probably not going to back out, and if they do, the it, it hurts. Yeah. It hurts, you know. That's, that's such vital information that you're giving to 
today because mm -hmm. this is what people who want to put in offers on things, they need to know mm -hmm. what you as listing agents want to see. And I don't think a lot of agents know that. Mm -hmm. So if you, yeah, that's great. Thank my you. most, my two recent um, listings, neither of them had an option period. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. the earnest money was $25,000 on each of them on wow. three and $400,000 houses. Mm -hmm. So they went pending and they had 25 grand in the game. They're yeah. not going anywhere. Yeah. Right. What about um, appraisal I it's very him. helpful. Yeah, I see him. Um, it said it made a difference between um, accepting or not accepting offers for one of my listings. They said we will not look at anything that doesn't have an appraisal waiver because we just don't want to mess with it yeah. at the final hour. And if you're going to do that as a buyer's agent, just know the listing <laughs> agent probably will call your lender or verify funds for mm -hmm. that gap. So that's a big thing too. So make sure that we prepare your clients for that. What do you guys think about when people put on their listing instruct on their offer instructions? Um, you know, only going to entertain a, a full appraisal waivers. Only going, you know, looking for this. Do you guys think that leading with that is good as a listing, or do you think you should let them come as they may? Like, do you think that you should or prefer option period date uh, each option day to be twenty five dollars? Like. Do you think Great that question. you should lead lead with that kind of stuff, or do you think it turns off? Do you lead with that? I or? don't lead with that. I don't either. Um, because I, you know, if I'm following Trek standards, which everybody should, it's we have to present all offers. Right. Um, but I get why you sometimes say, "Hey, just want to let you know if you want to uh, a chance in this fight." Right. Yeah, this is what you need to be. So I get leading with it, but. I just personally don't. I let people put it forth, and if they call me and say, hey, what are you looking for? I'm happy to give them that advice and say, this is typically what I look for to accept, but I don't lead with it personally. Which goes back to what I said earlier, pick up the phone, yes. call the agent, ask the questions, yes. be a human, not a text. Mm -hmm. It's amazing when I put a cutoff on listings, Listing uh, <laughs> offers will come in at 7.05, and I'm like, who are you? Have you seen the house? Yeah. Like, I've never even I seen your name. Yeah. I'm like, did they even see mm -hmm. it? Yeah. But with the person that's calling me and asking the questions and talking, they kind of automatically go over on the mm -hmm. side of the side of the pile mm -hmm. where you're like, they know what they're doing. They're going to mm -hmm. be good to work with throughout the whole transaction. Yeah, yeah. and I'm going to say for the people because I get a lot more people are waiving option now to protect yourself, your E&O, your broker. If you're doing that, you really have to sit down and educate your clients on the risk mm -hmm. of losing the earnest money because a lot of agents don't talk to their clients about that. I'm sure not anybody in this room, but where you know, people get in bad situations, that's how lawsuits happen, and they do happen. Mm -hmm. um, I'm in a very large brokerage, so I know how many are happening, and you know, there's a lot of them throughout the state all the time. But educating your clients on that, and if they're waiving the option, still push them on, you should still do an inspection. We're not gonna get a chance yep. to negotiate on it, but for your own sake, you still need to know what you're buying. And for your sake as the agent and your liability, it's very serious. You gotta still make sure you said, I've presented that they didn't want an option. I presented them a list with inspectors. Have a paper trail because mm -hmm. if you get there's sued, a form. yeah, there's a yeah, form there's that a says form. like, hey, yeah. you should I have an inspector. I did not get an inspection. And then I still provide a list of inspectors to say like, hey, here's who we recommend. Because if I get sued, I got a paper trail. I'm not going to lose that one. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, a lot of agents don't. Right. That's right. Are y'all recommending to your buyers to waive options? Um, I present it as something that they can consider. I don't really push it because I'm always, I'm very cautious in my business. Mm -hmm. I don't want to get sued because I like what I do and I don't have a backup plan. <laughs> uh, so uh, I always say you could do this. I don't push it hard though. I do two or three days for two. options yeah, and I have yeah. my, I text my inspector and say, we're negotiating yep. one. Are you ready for Monday at mm -hmm. nine? Yep. And 
having that all set up in advance usually helps. That's yeah. exactly what same, I do. I do the same thing. Two to three days, mm -hmm. max five, and I only did five recently because they were out of town. Yeah. And yeah. I do minimum 750. Mm -hmm. Yep. I'm doing 1,000, 1,500 yeah. online in yeah. two for or three days. For the option. Yeah. Because if they're serious about buying the house, they keep that money. If yeah. they think there's a, any hint of doubt, and they're not the going to sign that. Our time is valuable in this market. It's hard. And so it helps me weed out if this client's serious or not. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because I don't want to keep showing properties. And I don't want to keep paying someone to show properties. Because like, I have a person that helps me with showings um, occasionally if I'm busy or double booked or I've got family time scheduled. And I don't want to keep paying for that. So it's like if they're, I tell them up front when we go back to the education and what to expect of, hey, here's your upfront fees. Here's what earnest money is going to be. Here's what we're going to be looking at options. Here's you know appraisal cost. Are you prepared for that? And if not, OK, great, let's save up and we'll do it because if I'm going to take you out, I want to help you win a house. I don't want to just show you homes. That is one thing with this slow inventory that I like. I don't think taking a house off the market for 100 bucks is worth it. No. Yeah. It really needs to be $1,000. For, for San a seller Antonio to was take always it off. behind the curve on that. Yeah, it's yeah. good to see them. Yeah, hundred dollars for ten days—that's cheap, cheap, cheap. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You have to put yourself in the seller's shoes, and, yeah. and you know, yeah. Any good agent can get it done in three to five. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, and it, I guess it also depends on the house too. Like, if you're looking at the house in person, you see obvious defects, and mm -hmm. maybe recommend a a really good option period to do an inspection and stuff. It just depends on the house. Like I always look if through it's my newer, and I, when I show a house, yeah, when I show a house, I'll point out to the buyer like this will come up probably, this will come up. Mm -hmm. That way they know going into okay. it that this things will come up in inspection. Um, okay, I want to shift gears a little bit because I think that uh, Corey, uh, Cody has a really lot of valuable things to say about this. So your modeling experience, like I know you bought a house, remodeled it. What's what would you say is the biggest tip on that aspect? Because I think a lot of us probably have goals in life to buy a house, flip it, or remodel it, and keep it, or live in it, and sell it, whatever it may be. But what are your tips and, and tricks with that one? I got to know the plumbers, the electricians, the painters, firsthand experience, who's good, who's not, who mm -hmm. shows up, who doesn't. And in our little area, a lot of the houses are really old, so we all, a lot of our clients end up remodeling. Knowing who to call for a kitchen, knowing who to call for a bathroom. Knowing who to call when you want to do something really, really big or when you just need something done quickly. Um, I've sold more houses walking in saying, you could open up this wall for $3,000 and people yes. think, oh, I would have thought that would have been $15,000. So <clears throat> learning it and walking it, I would say like if you ever have an opportunity, if you get a big commission, go buy something small, walk in the shoes that your clients are walking in. Wow. Mm -hmm. Because then... If like my electrician, my electrician last last night, our um, one of our circuits went out, and we checked everything. We couldn't figure it out. He was there at 8:05 this morning because I give him so much business, mm -hmm. and he said, "I got you. Don't worry about it. We'll take care of it." And um, I just think that if if I had never jumped in into the remodeling world, those relationships wouldn't be there. Wow. Yeah. So I guess vendor list is a big vendor list is huge, and it took me clients. 10 years to build. Gotcha. And you've learned through experience. How did you guys learn as far as how did you build your vendor list for clients, stuff like that? You know, just creating, again, those great relationships, kind of going back even whether it's your electrician, a title company, a TC, a home warranty company, yep. it's creating those great relationships. And, you know, at the very beginning, you know, when you're a new agent, every title company or every home warranty is like, let's go have coffee. Um, you know, you, you, you take advantage of those opportunities and get to know those people and align yourself with people that same values and integrity that you have. Um, because, again, they're just a great extension of you. And, you know, when I'm out of town and I can pick up the phone or I can text Alana and say, oh, my gosh, 
I forgot to do this or I need this help with something um, or I've texted Caroline before like this that's hu very important um, and it shows you know how what a professional you are to your clients that you've got this team of experts on your side part of the reason I love using fidelity is because people will text me and say okay well now it's our turn to pick the home warranty who do you use mm -hmm. and I say I personally use fidelity because there is a person that will answer the phone mm -hmm. and they're always there when when you need them yeah Huge. And they yeah. do. They step in and say, this is what's good. This is what will work for this house. Yeah, and be picky about who you refer. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a reflection of you. Exactly. So you want good people. Yeah. yeah. And I think, too, that your vendor list, most of our clients don't know or understand the difference between title, lending, stuff like that. And so when you have quality people that are part of your team, they think it's part of your business, too. Mm -hmm. So it's part of your service that you naturally have. So I think it's a big deal to have, mm -hmm. especially in our position, is referring people that are quality over just... Here's like 10 people, just call them, so. Um, okay, so how do you guys set expectations with family, business, and your clients? What's, what's the biggest tip there? Because I think we all probably value that with our busy lives and our families at home. At 9.45 last night, my phone was going off. Yeah. <laughs> and Fred said, I thought one of the questions was, how do you create boundaries? I'm like, yeah, it is. <laughs> it is one of the questions. I don't do it very well. Um, you know, and I think this market has 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 changed things a little bit. You know, um, we're, we're, we're out there and we're scratching and clawing and we're trying to represent our clients the best that we can. And sometimes a house comes on the market at 9.45 at night and your client wants to see it first thing the next morning. Mm. Um, and so I think right now is, is an even bigger challenge than it's posed um, in the past. But but um, I don't do that very well, so I, you know, I'm probably not a good model for that one. Cody, it's hard. Do, do, do any of us do this really well? Yeah, it's, no. a, it's a balance. It's, it's setting the boundaries balance. up front. You know, I always tell my clients, if I can pick up, I will. If I can't, don't worry. I am going to get back to you. I always let them know. If you leave me a voicemail or text, I might be in something, but I will get back to you. And I let them know, usually past eight o'clock, I don't respond unless it's an emergency. There's nothing I can do after hours anyways. The banks aren't open, the title's not open, the lender's not gonna respond. Um, so, you know, and like you said earlier, Cody, a lot of problems will solve themselves mm -hmm. sometimes yes. when they simmer. <laughs> Sellers come to their own solutions a lot more than we give them credit for, um, and so, there's nothing I can do about it at eight or nine o'clock except stress with them. Yeah. So I'd rather just enjoy my time. Um, and they sleep on it. And yeah. they wake up right. and they say, actually, yeah. Oh, the amount of times fine. you call back in the morning, they go, oh, you know what? We figured it out. We were worried about this, but I figured it out. Great. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm lucky. My wife's in the business as well, not in real estate sales, but in the industry. And so we get it. We share each other's calendar. We consult it three or four times a week on okay, you've got these appointments, you've got this, who's picking up the kids this day. So it's an open line of communication. I think it's key in this business. I mean, there's a lot of divorces in this industry. And I think a lot of problems, whether it's in your marriage or with your customers or with your friends, revolves around communication. And if you're constantly communicating and sharing information of, hey, I just booked this client. I know we had this double date. Can we try to figure out a way to rearrange it? Or maybe I can have some, you know, my partner in the office cover that client that day. But just communicate it with your spouse and, mm -hmm. you know, and, and schedule time block. Mm. We time block stuff well in advance of kid opportunities, travel, family time, double dates, family birthday dinners. Um, we time block it all and then I just build around that. The best phrase you can learn in this business is, I'm sorry I have another appointment at that time. Mm -hmm. Clients will forgive you. Mm -hmm. um, we think automatically we have to bounce every time someone or jump every right. time they say jump. And if you learn to say, I'm sorry, I'm booked at that time, I've got another appointment, oh, okay, great. 
Um, so have the you, we forget how much power we hold on our side of the desk. Mm -hmm. And so to just have that confidence to tell them, I've got another appointment at that time, they go, okay. And it could just be lunch. It could with be. With a friend or right. lunch with your yeah, spouse. Yeah, most of the time, I don't have another honor appointment. Those. It's just that we have something else going <laughs> yeah, on. But honor you that use that phrase and yeah. And honor it, yeah. yeah. Follow your schedule. The amount of yeah. times people don't show up to stuff they've committed to. And it's like, you can build a business and a life around your calendar, just block it and follow it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think that's a big lesson for a lot of newer agents is time blocking your day. Because when you start off, you're like, okay, I got my license, what do I do now? And you're just, the whole day is just sitting, you're sitting there like, what do I do? So get with somebody, get with an expert, and ask them, how do you structure your day? And look at their calendar and, and go up based on that. Maybe their day's a little different because they have family time at night, but if you have all the time in the world, you should be grinding, hustling, and trying to get out there. And so that's, I guess, as a newer agent, when I first started out, I just kind of sat there and I was like, okay, what do I do? And then I learned quickly, well, through Alana, because she was always busy. I was like, what do you do all day? And I look at her calendar, it's like, meeting, meeting, like, okay, this makes a little more sense. And so, Find time, time block to develop yourself, learn from others, that'll help in the long run for sure. Um, okay, we'll try and wrap this up because I know it's getting long. When we'll end with a fun question. Craziest deal you've ever had over your past years of experience? Only one? Uh, only yeah, one. Right? Just to narrow it down. Uh, well, I had one just the other day where the seller did not want to go to the closing. Oh. Um, he felt like he um, had left money on the table and um, he was already had moved out of the, his, the house and um, we were, he was doing a remote closing and um, I got a call that morning at like 10.30 and, and he had asked the title person, Stephanie, he had said, well, what happens if I don't go mm. close? I was like, what? <laughs> um, and he hadn't even asked me that. So um, it was, that was a very stressful several hours, but um, that's probably my most recent crazy one. Yeah. You had, you had a crazy one where didn't the dad want to like write a fake contract for the daughter or something, remember? Oh, remember, it was like, remember it was ago? that divorce or something and you were like the parents were really, the wife wanted to make sure, it was back at Dominion, and the wife wanted to make sure that the daughter didn't sign anything or something or other. Yes, I know. Uh, she went to therapy for it. It was like in the fall and you were like, oh my gosh. I know, I've had a few of them, exactly. So to narrow it down to one is hard. But yeah, I've had so, a couple of very, very crazy ones. Ones that want to fall apart over a microwave and... Um, over a microwave. Yes, exactly. I'm like, and here's the Home Depot gift card. Yeah. yeah. Cody, what about you? Um, I would say, mine's kind of sad. The seller passed away mm. uh, Friday. We were set to close Monday. Mm. And they had a gigantic remodel starting Monday. Oh, gosh. And so we had to do a lot of shuffling. Um, but we got through it. But the probate was six weeks long. So we had to postpone everything for six weeks. And it, wow. of course, the reason um, the whole transaction was delayed in the first place was because of the lender. So it was just like one of those deals where every time the phone rings, your stomach drops. Mm -hmm. And uh, but we, I mean, we got through it. But that one was really rough. Wow. I still think about it, and I'm like, oh, it was sad. It was hard. It was all the things. They always revolve around closings, right? Because my my stories of around two closings, I always tell clients. It's never done until the money's in the bank. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you've signed at closing until the money's in the bank because I've had two where we've signed and funding did not happen. One of them was mm -hmm. buyer got fired from an oil job and didn't tell the lender and the lender, mm -hmm. who I will never work with again, uh, <laughs> did not do a secondary check until after closing and they should be doing that beforehand. So when they went to do the secondary check, they found out the guy was fired and uh, so we did not fund. I had the seller on that one and the seller oh, had unfortunately okay. missed a very important family event for the closing and so then tell them hey guess what we're going back on the market um, oh 
and I had one just a few weeks ago, wire fraud, if you're not talking to your clients about wire fraud, do it and have it in writing. Mm -hmm. um, Another we, form for that. Yeah, yes, we, <laughs> we signed and we kept asking, where's the funding, where's the funding, where's the funding, and the buyer's agent said, can you call me? And it was, oh, the, they got scammed and they sent the wire to Nigeria or someplace, I don't know. Wow. Um, so we are still waiting on those funds and it's been three weeks. Bank of America thankfully caught it, um, but they have not released the funds back to the client and right after this I'm gonna call and say, I'm really sorry we gotta cut it because their new home closes April 8th and oh, man. I've got another cash buyer who said, I'll buy it in 10 days, oh, no option. So and so now I have to call them and say, look, guys, I'm really sorry we can't. We can't continue Dang. to wait. So I tell my clients, it's not done until the money's mm -hmm. in the bank. You know, it's yeah. fun to high five at closing, but I still remind them it's a two-part process. Mm -hmm. We've done part one, which is signing. Now we've got to wait for funding, and I will call you as soon as it's funded. Damn, but yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Yesterday we had a conversation about this with the title company. Sometimes a lender will tell you that it's funded. It is not funded until the title company says it's funded. They have the final word because mm -hmm. the lender yep. can say it's funded, but they may not have sent their wire yet. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you've got to wait for that title company green light. Yep, yep, yep. Very true. I'm gonna throw mine in there because it's kind of funny. Because <laughs> my my first or second deal was a long time ago. But we were living in an apartment, and I had his wine fridge in my apartment. And the deal we were closing the next day. It's like eight or nine p.m. And the buyer would not buy the house unless the wine fridge was there that he put in the non-realty that my seller already took and moved out. And so the deal was dependent on this stupid wine fridge. And so I'm like, crap. It's eight p.m. We close at nine. And so I got. We're in the third floor. So I got the wine fridge and I. <laughs> Can carry it down to my car, my own personal one, which you're not supposed to do this. And then I put my personal one in the house, plugged it in, took a picture, said, hey, wine fridge is there. <laughs> so we close. That's when you know you really like wine when you're having a wine fridge on the third floor apartment. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> really long. We drank a lot. Um, but no, so I want to kind of open the audience up with any questions. I know Leroy's got one. He was one. like, I want to ask my question. What's your question, Leroy? Leroy's a new agent. Add to record real quick. <laughs> He's on TikTok. Okay, the question I have is when you guys first started off, and uh, I'm sure your clients asked you how long you've been in the business, what was your answer to not scare them away for being you? Who wants to go first? I don't remember. So I got in when I was 19, straight out of college. Um, I, my way around that was knowing as much as I can know, so education. Um, when I could sit down and talk about days on market and how statuses work in MLS and uh, list price to sales price ratio, trends in the marketplace, average, median, for the neighborhood, for the marketplace, suddenly they had the confidence that I knew what I was talking about. And so, um, yeah, getting into at 19, never selling a house, never owning a house, it was rough, but it was presentation, how I came in, how I spoke, how I looked, how I presented myself, mm. and then what I talked about gave me the ability to win over agents that had been you know, in the business a while, but it was knowing my stuff. So you were 19? 19. Leroy, how old are you? 18. There you go. Any other tips? No? <laughs> when I got in the business, it was right after the crash. I started in 2009, oh, wow. so I was chasing leases all over town. Yeah. So I told, <laughs> I told people, uh, well, I've been, in real, I've been finding my own properties for the past five years and apartment locating, and that's how I got myself in front of people initially. 
Yeah, I think for me, I started at a different brokerage than the one I'm at now. And, you know, they kind of taught us to say, listen, I've got a 30-something years of experience behind me. Mm -hmm. um, and the partners that you align yourself with was was really important to making sure that that first impression, how you look, fake it till you make it, yeah. you yeah. know, showing up, uh, walk the walk, talk the talk, just for the job you want, not the job you have, right? Mm -hmm. So um, those were all the tips that kind of helped me when I was first starting. Confidence. Confidence. Yeah. Any questions? And you know, speaking on that, as a younger person, yeah. scripts help. Um, I, I hate the word scripts because it sounds salesy, but it's not so that you can sell somebody, it's so that you know what to say. For probably the first two or three years, I had, and my wife laughs at me, I had a like laminated kind of listing presentation that I would take and it was, number one, people liked having it. It's why I still bring paper to all my listing appointments, black and white, and I draw and make notes on them and show them to the client. Um, it's why I had that because it not only gave them something to look at, it kept me on course. Um, and I used to, this was back when we had CDs, you know, in cars, I would drive around and listen to listing presentations mm. on a loop for hours. And I would practice them and practice them and practice them. And it was muscle memory so that when I would go in, I knew exactly what to say, when to say it. I knew what they would say. It gave me, and to this day, I still do versions of that where my presentation's the same. I don't care if it's a million dollars or a hundred thousand mm. dollars. I go and do every appointment the exact same way. I'm in and out on the same time for the most part. Um, I know when they're going to come up with certain objections, how they're going to say it. I know what I'm going to say, and it's that's really probably what helped me when I was 19 was wow. just knowing that script and what to say. Um, and and then if you know all that, what comes behind it is confidence. And exactly. if you show confidence, you'll get the job. And what you find out is all sellers are the same, really. They all have the same concerns. They all have the same questions. And so when you do it enough in that muscle memory, it's so easy to just say, oh yeah, I know what they're gonna say. And it's that confidence. Yeah. And just practice, you know, mock presentations, mock buyer appointments. Mock CMAs. Yeah. The amount of CMAs that people don't know how to do or they spend so, I can get a, a call for a listing and if I needed to, I could be out the door in 20 minutes, CMA, net sheets, listing presentation, everything in hand because you just do it enough. And if you keep doing it and practice, even if you don't have the business right now, practice for it, practice for it, practice for it. It does make perfect. Yeah, so any other questions guys? I have a question. Yes, you. If you could, <laughs> yes, you. If you could do any other thing besides real estate, what would it be? Oh, that's a good one. What would it be? Uh, I don't mind. I'd be a home builder. It's like my dream. I'd love to do that. Oh. <laughs> Something in fashion or design. I'd probably be in crisis management. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, re I, I do good with crises. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some sort of PR crisis management thing. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I know you mentioned a couple times, you, know, you have to have your routine, you have to do things consistently. What are these things that y'all are consistently doing that are either bringing you business or making your life easier? Good question. Was it you, Cody, that said you're in an office now? Yeah. Or was it Cindy? Okay. I, I'm in an office. I've always been in the office. I'm in at eight every single morning. And first thing I'm doing is responding to the overnight emails. Mm -hmm. um, I do coaching weekly. Um, establishing kind of a marketing plan. I know I'm not always perfect at it, but having that um, time blocking is huge for appointments. I time block, you know, time for calls, time for appointments, 
what do you yeah. guys add? No, I, just to piggyback on that, I think Gary Keller always says, if it's not in your calendar, it doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, and I learned that the hard way because I used to just be putting out fires here and there and I've got three kids and uh, another business outside of real estate. Um, and so putting kind of the time blocking, going into the office, being accountable, making sure, you know, and I may have one or one day of the week where I'm out doing you know, other things, either whether it's showing or something personal, you know, going to the grocery store, whatever. Um, but it, making sure that it's on my calendar and um, I'm in the office and, you know, those, those first couple of hours of the day are usually returning phone calls, returning texts, emails, um, and so forth. So I'll just piggyback off of what. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Staying organized, staying ahead of your transactions, knowing what's coming up next, making mm -hmm. sure your paperwork's airtight. And that goes back down to your system that you have, like your Excel, whatever you guys use for tools, like, Lay it all out, look at your contracts, look at your buyers coming up, who's buying three months, four months, five months, mm -hmm. and look at the inventory. I daily, I set times throughout the day to look at the inventory, what, what my price points are, and I know, like, hey, this house is coming on soon, or this house is available. I'll text the buyer, it's gonna show in two months, I'll say, hey, this house is on the market, you wanna see it now, create the showings, because they don't know what they're looking for, so you gotta send it to them and say, hey, can you see us Tuesday? And so, create your business. That's the biggest, is having initiative, it's not gonna come to you. So text, call, DM, whatever it may be, just create the showings and create the, the actual calendar. That doesn't exist if it's not on your calendar. Mm, that's and so true. getting in the office, which I've learned quickly, is a big thing for me, is if I'm not here working, I used to work at home all the time, wasn't productive at all. We would just talk and text and I would TV would be on, I would get distracted, do laundry, so it's too hard. But have somewhere to go and set your restrictions on when you be there and when you can leave, that way it's actually a real, really functioning business. So, cool. Any other questions? No? Well, I want to thank University, Alana, Caroline, Sarah, where'd she go? She's just here. Hi, for coming. Those three are very key resources in my business, and I think y'all's as well. Mm -hmm. So get to know them to help grow your business too. It's not just leverage, they will help grow it because it's your service you're providing for your clients. But anything else you want to add on that I'm missing from, from y'all? No. Keep at it, ask mm -hmm. questions. Cool. Call other agents. Learn from other agents. Yeah. Network. Yeah. It, it, what's funny is I've learned over the years, and it's real easy in this business to get caught up in comparisons. Um, there's 15,000 of us, so you feel like, oh, there's not enough. There's still 70, 80,000 transactions a year in our marketplace. There's more than enough to go around. I'm always happy to share. I always tell people the only way I survived my first couple years in the business was a lot of really nice agents who took time to answer my questions, mentor me, help me through challenges, and so I'm always happy to do it for others. And so. Feel free to call me. I'll, I've got cards, or David can give you my number, and I'm happy to chat anytime and do the same for other agents. What goes around comes around. Absolutely. Love it. Same. Well, thank you guys so much. Let me give them a round of applause. Thank you. Appreciate it. We'll be around for pictures and photos. So, yeah. <laughs> thank you guys Autograms. for coming. $5 a signature. No, I'm just kidding.